Thank you for joining us today. We are excited that you came across this message. My name is Tony and I serve as the lead pastor of NextGen. The sermon you are about to watch is from a very special family worship weekend. We are a multi-generational church. However, we don't have many opportunities to worship together as one church family. We are grateful for our next-gen environments, but we know the value of kids and adults worshiping God together. So this message, whether you are four or 84, is for you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. As a next-gen ministry, we are here to serve you and your family from birth all the way to young adults. If you have questions about the next-gen ministry here at Hope Church, you can contact me, Tony at HopeChurchLV.com. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. Thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. And again, I do mean family. We've had some people join us since we kind of introduced today. This is Family Worship Weekend. Glad you are here with kids four and up, maybe some even under than that. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Kids and students, we've been encouraging your parents to, to actually open the Bible. So give them a nudge if they're not doing that right now. We want the Bible either open on our laps or on our apps. We want to be people of the book with our eyes on the word of God. We'll be in Deuteronomy 6 in just a moment. And parents, just so you know, today's, les- today's sermon will be a little shorter than normal. So if you're wondering if you're going to be able to keep your kid quiet for however long we normally go here, it will be a little shorter. So rest assured. I want to start a- a- off with a game. I want to start with a game that everybody can play. It's not just for kids and students. It's a game we've all played before called This or That. Very simply, I'm going to give you two options. And it doesn't matter how old you are or if you have kids with you or not, I want you to shout out as loud as you can what you would rather, this or that. Here's the first one. What is the better vacation, the beach or the mountains? Lots of beach. Lots of beach. I'm actually a little bit of both. I kind of like a little bit of both. I hate sand, but I love the water. It's the whole thing, beach and mountains. Here's another one. What's the best hobby, sports, or video games? That's been so funny in all the services. Some of you are like, sports, sports, sports. A lot of you kids are like video games. Some of you parents are like, what's option C? I want option C. Here's another one. Your favorite subject, math or reading? My sister is a math teacher who lives in Texas. She was watching online at the last service. And when I said math or reading, she texted me back very upset that I would say reading rather than math. I'm going to lose some friends for this one. Best spot for lunch, Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger? Come on, there is one option There is one option, and it is in and out. You know what? Listen, if you said Chick-fil-A, I'm willing to be convinced. Let's go after church and get some Chick-fil-A. Oh, never mind. Some of you will get that later. 
Last one, the best animal, dogs or cats. I'm telling you, I'm praising God, all three services. We are a church full of dog lovers, ladies and gentlemen. Praise God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for all you cat people. We'll pray for you. Um, I wanna give you one more, I wanna give you one more. Don't answer out loud. I know that's impossible to say to a room full of kids and students. Don't answer this one out loud. I want you to only think about it really, really hard. Here's the, here's the question. What's more important, your heart, don't say out loud, your heart or your mind? <laughs> your heart or your mind? I want you to think about it. And the reason that's important is because we're actually going to look at an ancient word from God today that speaks towards where I'm headed with this idea of heart and mind. You see, the Bible would speak of these things not like the blood pumping organ that's in your chest called the heart or not like the brain that's in your head that some people refer to as the mind. Heart and mind actually, according to the Bible, are not all that different. As you look at verses of scripture that talk about our heart and the mind, it's usually talking about something very similar. And it's talking about our attitude or our will or what we want, how we lead our lives with our heart and our minds. And we're going to see today about that, how we live our lives with our heart and our mind. We're going to see that out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you're ready for some Bible, here is your first test. Are you with me? There you go. Deuteronomy 6. We'll get better. We'll get better. Verses 4 through 7. Here's what the word of God says. Hopefully you have it there open in front of you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Kids and students, over the last month or so, we've been, as we read the word of God, we have been, uh, we've been giving you the, our, your, your, your parents what we call a sermon in a sentence. I'm going to put the sermon in a sentence here on the screen. There is no one like our God. And we should love him with everything we are. There's no one like our God, and we should love him with everything we are. Because this is Family Worship Weekend, I want to have some fun with the sermon in a sentence. So I'm going to divide the room. If you are on this side of the pulpit, I want you on the count of three to say what's in yellow out loud, as loud as you can. And if you are on this side of the pulpit, as soon as they're done saying there is no one like our God, I want you to finish the sentence in white. I know some of you are really uncomfortable. It's okay. It's okay. Let's do it loud and proud. One, two, three. Hey. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was amazing. That's what we're going to unpack here in just a few, for just a few moments. I always want to, whether we're in Hope Kids or Hope Students or right here in the worship center, always want to remind us where are we in the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, yes, but what's going on with the people of God? Some of you know this, but... They are right in the middle of getting to the promised land, being led by a man named Moses, a really famous Bible character named Moses. 
And Moses in the book of Deuteronomy is reminding God's people of what God has said. He's reminding them of God's law. And what we are reading today is a really significant part of scripture that we all can learn from. So as we look at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, those four verses, I want to give us three big truths. Here is the first one. There is no one like our God. It doesn't matter how old you are. There's no one like our God. Let me try it. Are you with me? You're getting better. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses is reminding God's people and reminding us here right now at the 1030 service at Hope Church, there is no one like our God. And if you notice, these two words, Lord, are both capitalized. That's a big deal. That is not a mistake. The people who printed your Bible didn't accidentally keep the caps lock on. Or in, in texting world, they didn't, they're not, he's not yelling this at us. It's there for a reason. Well, what's the reason? Every time you see the word Lord capitalized in scripture, it's a specific Hebrew word that's really, really significant. It's the Hebrew word Yahweh. Everyone say Yahweh. Yahweh. Sounds so good. Yahweh is speaking to this idea that there is no one like our God. This is the divine name of God. It's saying in itself, there is no one like our God. There is one God and there's nobody like him. His name is Yahweh. And this is really significant because in this sentence, it says it twice, just in case you missed the first one. And this is really important because the people of Israel at the time that Moses was speaking to, they were surrounded by all these other nations and this might sound strange to us, but they, all these other nations had multiple gods, multiple gods that they worshiped. Now, they were false gods, not real gods, but they had a God of this and a God of that and a God of this and a God of that. And so Moses is reminding God's people, there's no one like our God. He's the only God and his name is Yahweh. In fact, all throughout scripture, we see all these different people continuously going back to other gods, little g gods. They can't save. They can't do miraculous things. They can't be what our God is, but they still worship. What's worship? They give all their affection, all their time, all their energy, all their love to these false gods. Another word we see in the Bible for this is idol. In fact, back in the day, in ancient times, they would actually carve little figurines that they would physically worship, these idols. And I know some of you are thinking, well, that's so silly. Why would anybody worship a little figurine? Well, hold on, because the idols of then just look a little different now. We still have things, if you're honest, that you love with everything you are. You give your time and your affection and your energy towards the Bible would say those might actually start to become idols in your heart, little g gods. No matter how old you are today, we all have those things. So Moses is reminding us there is no one like our God. But what do those look like? What are versions of 2023 idols, little g gods? I'll give you a few from my own life that I've struggled with that maybe you have too. For me, sometimes my phone can be an idol. Anybody else agree with me on that one? Man, I could be like, why am I staring at this little device so much? All my time, all my affection, all my love. I would never maybe say it like that, but if you follow me throughout the day, I might be looking at my little idol. Money, 
reputation. Here's a big one for some kids and students in the room. Video games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I went there. But you go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. It completely drives everything about your day. And sometimes if we're not careful, we go, man, I'm spending way too much of my mental and emotional energy on this thing that can't really do anything for me. Bible would say to us, there is no one like our God. Idols can look a bunch of different ways, but an old pastor that I've learned a lot from over the years named John Piper said it like this. Anything in the world that successfully competes with our love for God is an idol. Again, it doesn't matter if you are in elementary school, junior high, high school, in the parenting game right now, older in life, single, we all have things in our lives right in this moment, and they're probably coming to your mind as I speak, that sometimes successfully compete with love for God in our lives. We could say it like this. There was a constant pull towards other gods then for people of God, but also now. We have to be aware of this. So that's why verses like this help us. Hear, O Jesus follower, Yahweh is God. There's no one like our God. Are you with me? Great, great, great. Number two, number two. Our God is worthy of our all. There's no one like our God, and our God is worthy of our all. That's what it says there in verses 5 and 6. Look at it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Again, that's not the blood pumping organ in your chest. That's they should be on your mind. They should be on your heart as you lead and live. They should be on what you want. I want to ask a question for everyone in the room. I want you to answer out loud. What are some things in your life that you love? Say them out loud. What do you love? Golf? Race cars? What else? I I think I heard cheese. Okay. I can't hear anything. I'm going to take your word for it, and that all sounds amazing. I'll give you some options of things I love maybe you can relate to. I love ice cream. Anyone love ice cream? Love me some ice cream. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Anybody else? I love my family. I love my wife, Candace. They were sitting right up here in the first service. I love Candace. I love Bryce, Avery, Blaine, and Aria. Those are my four kids. I love them. I love In-N-Out. There's nothing like a double-double animal style, no tomato. I love all those things. And you love a bunch of things, but can we all agree, I don't love all those things the same. (laughs) It'd be really weird. Take notes, kids, for when you get married one day. It'd be really weird if I love the Dallas Cowboys as much as I love my wife, Candace. That would be a problem. I do not love double-doubles, animal style, no tomato as much as I love my four kids. I say I love these things, but all those loves don't look the same. So when we're reading here in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with everything you are. What kind of love is it speaking to? Well, it's a Hebrew word that I love to say. It's ahav. Kind of got to just get passionate about it, get it in your throat there. Ahav. It's a word that means way more than liking a place to eat or liking a football team. 
as much as you may love those things, it speaks to a loyalty that's hard to describe. You are so loyal and so passionately loving this thing. And in our case, in this moment, the Lord our God. This is what God's people do. We love the Lord our God. That's why it says there in the verse, love the Lord with all your heart and soul and might. Our heart, we already talked about that, the will and desires of everything you are, you're loving God with those things. The soul, you're speaking towards the the whole being, your whole self. And then might, I love this because I'm kind of an intense person. It speaks of intensity. You don't just kind of love God over here if it makes sense for you on a Sunday at 1030. No, you love God with everything you are. Like you're shouting about it from the rooftops, all the energy you can muster up. That's the kind of love that's expected of God's people. Why? Because there's nobody like our God. And so when we see that, our only response is to love him with everything we have. And I want us to think about that. Again, no matter how old you are, do you love God like that? You might be in elementary school and you got a lot of fun things going on in your life or junior high or middle school or or, or high school or, or college or just getting into the professional world or you may be way seasoned in life or somewhere in between. Moses was speaking to the assembly. He was speaking on a family worship weekend, you could say, where all the people of Israel were before him. And he's challenging us to love the Lord your God with everything we are. Don't leave me hanging. Are you with me? Good, good, good. Number three, we must be intentional to remember and remind ourselves of this. We got to be intentional. We got to be intentional. We're going to talk about this for just a few moments as we kind of land the plane. I love what Pastor Tony said earlier in our prayer time. He said, God does not have amnesia. That's true, but we do. (laughs) We have to constantly remember and remind ourselves of these things. I just mentioned it, but Moses gave this whole thing to the great assembly. He's talking to all the children of Israel, no matter what age or stage they were in. But this next verse, in in verse 7, he speaks directly to the parents. So I know not everyone in the room is a parent, but I want to... Go through this verse like Moses does. And I want to challenge the parents for just a moment. So kids, give me some grace as I talk specifically to your parents. Look at it there on your lap in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Keep looking at it. Notice it. what it doesn't say. It doesn't say... Make sure you come back right here next week at 1030 where I'm going to continue to speak and remind your kids of this. And I'm going to give them a little craft and a snack and we're going to sing some worship songs and we'll do all the the work for you in raising up your children. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say make sure you come to the the synagogue every single week so, so the professionals can do their jobs in raising your children to love the Lord. Hear me very clearly, parents. You are the professional with your kids. And I know I say that in a world of Instagram comparativeness. Everyone's comparing themselves to all these moms and dads that look like they're killing it online. And you think, man, if you watch me for five minutes as a parent, you would never call me a professional. 
Listen, I know that you feel that way, but the sovereign king of glory did not make a mistake when he put your kids in your house. You are the experts of your kids because nobody knows your kids like you do. And so you and I have to realize that it is our primary responsibility to train up and raise up disciples of Jesus within our home. We are the primary disciple makers of our kids. And I thank God for supplemental discipleship. We already honored the next gen team up here. I praise God for Pastor Tony and what he does with his team there in, in Hope Kids and, and Miss Carissa in Hope Kids Preschool and, and Mel and Kevin and Hope Students and, and Miss Crystal and the weekday preschool that we have here. I praise God for supplemental discipleship and my wife and I have been unbelievably blessed by every person I just named. But the primary disciplers of Bryce, Avery, Blaine and Aria Worthington are not those incredible people. The primary disciplers of those four kids are Scott and Candace Worthington. It is on us. It is on us as followers of Jesus to see the kids that God has placed in our home and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's why verse 7 makes it super practical. I love how practical verse 7 is. Let's look at it. It says you should be diligent about teaching them God's truth. That's regular and routine, and it gives us some really easy handlebars. Look at what it says. How to be intentional in daily life. Here's the first one. When you are hanging out. Do you see it there? It says when you sit in your house. What does this look like? It looks different for all of us. Maybe for you, it's, it's when you're sitting there watching TV and something comes on the screen. that Uh-oh, let's have a conversation about this. Or maybe it's when you're playing a board game after dinner or praise God if the weather would actually start acting like spring when you're hanging out by the pool one day maybe. We can have intentional conversations with our children. What we're saying is let's just not let life pass us by because I'm now 13 years into this parenting game and I can't believe how fast it's gone. And I know some of you empty nesters are thinking you don't know nothing, buddy. <laughs> let's be intentional about the time we have just sitting in the house. What does this look like? I don't know what it looks like for you and your family unit. By the way, I know there's diversity in what the family looks like. Not every family looks like a mom and dad. Sometimes it's being raised by single parents or grandparents. I understand there's diversity in the kingdom of God with how families look, but the primary discipleship of the children belongs to the family. So utilize the times of sitting in your house. It says when you're on the go. Do you see it? It said when you walk by the way. That's how they were on the go back in the day is walking by the way. Well, praise God, we have minivans now. We can have minivan discipleship. <laughs> what does this look like? It means when you're sitting in the school line, when you're on your way home from soccer practice, when you're on your way back from jujitsu training, when you're taking them to dance lessons, you take the tablet out of their hands for just a moment, you turn down the music and your me time is for later and you start having a conversation about the things of the Lord. You utilize the fact that we're all in this car driving 70 miles an hour on the 215. Let's utilize it for some time to point towards Jesus and his kingdom. Let's have intentional conversations with our kids about the gospel, the fact that Jesus loves them and there's nothing they could ever do to separate themselves from that love if they're followers of Jesus. And it's just little moments throughout the day when you're sitting in the house, when you're on the go. He continues, when you, when you lie down, when you lie down. So at the end of your day, I know this looks different for different ages and stages, but man, in those little years, parents, I know you're tired. Lay next to your child and tickle their back and ask how their day is. 
Don't just pray with them, pray, or don't just pray for them, pray with them. Teach them how to pray. Stumble your way forward, and God will honor it. I know there's some 14-year-olds in the room that are like, listen, I don't want my dad and my mom to lay next to me and tickle my back. It changes. It changes. Well, maybe for your teenagers, it's before they head out on a night on the town with their friends, you have a conversation with them about what that's going to look like. Or maybe when they get home at curfew, you sit down with a, a cup of tea with them at the dinner table and you're just having a conversation about what was tonight about? How can I be involved in your life? Listen, stumble your way forward. None of us are perfect. I promise you, my wife and kids were in this last service. We are right in the middle of the fight of parenting. It's tough out there. But praise God, he gives us some insight. When you start your day, when you rise, again, I don't know what this looks like. Maybe for your family, you do have breakfast together. What if you, mom and dad, grabbed a, a little devotional and spent 15 minutes setting up the trajectory of your family's day? And, and I know it's awkward. I've been there. When your kids are like, I'm bored. I don't want to do this. Hey, just press into the awkward and trust God for the fruit. What if you were to just to try? A lot of times we feel like we're not any good at this thing, and so we just completely abdicate our responsibility. And I hope this weekend is a reminder for you not to do that. God wants to use you in the life of your kids. And I believe when you begin to just walk out this Deuteronomy 6-7 passage, God will honor it. And you'll be able to one day shoot your kids into the world in a way that honors the Lord. And I use that language very specifically. Because of another verse that I want to highlight before we end our time together. It's Psalm chapter 127, verses 3 and 4. Some of you have heard these verses. So good. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Now pause. I know there's some parents of infants right now that are looking at that verse thinking, I don't know about that. <laughs> right now you are in the middle of a very, very hard season. Press in. They are a reward. Trust the Lord in the middle of the heart. Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Like arrows. I love this illustration. Because the point of an arrow is to hit a target. The only reason and the only way an arrow actually hits the target is if it is aimed intentionally. So I love thinking about that when it comes to our parents. We have to parent kids and aim their lives intentionally. And hear me very, very clearly, parents. If you don't take the responsibility of aiming intentionally your kids into this world, somebody else will do it. If you don't, with passion and excitement and responsibility, pick up the arrows that are in your home, I promise you there are some people chomping at the bit to pick up those arrows and shoot them for their own agendas and their own ideologies and their own mechanisms. You and I as parents, specifically followers of Jesus, don't abdicate your responsibility to grab those children as arrows in your life and aim them intentionally because somebody else will if you don't. That's why I love verse 7 in Deuteronomy 6. It says that we are to teach diligently. That word teach is an amazing word in the Hebrew. It's actually a word that means to sharpen and get ready. So if you couple that with Psalm 127, we as parents, as we are leaning into this, are, are sharpening our arrows. Ready for what? Ready to be shot into this world for the kingdom of God. We don't want to be parents at Hope Church that shoot into the world dull, ineffective arrows that are being picked up and, and, and used for other purposes in the world. We want to be people that help us and equip us to shoot these arrows into the world that are sharp and ready to do some damage for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen.
I want to end today with a challenge. Specifically, I want to end today challenging every person in the room in three different ways. The first thing I'm going to do, because I'm out of time, I want all the kids and students to stand up. I want you to stand up. I want everyone to see you. I want to see the next gen represented kids, students, high school, junior high, college. Amen. Listen, I know it's so awkward. I know. You feel like everyone's looking at you. There's a lot of you, okay? Here's what I want you to hear from me. We love you. I'm telling you right now, I get so excited looking around this room and seeing all the kids and students and college students standing up. Listen, we are for you. You are living in a generation right now unlike any generation in the history of the world. Me and your parents, we don't know what it's like to grow up in the world we are growing up in. So I want to encourage you. We see you. We love you. And we are for you. We want to do everything we can as a church to help come alongside your parents and to help you see that Jesus really is the only good, true, and right way for you to, live, to, to point your life. We love you. And here's what I'll say about the parenting thing. Just keep standing for just a moment. I just challenge your parents. As they try to work this stuff out, have some grace with them. As they start to have these devotions at the kitchen table, as they start to try to help you see that Jesus really is, there's nobody like him, have some grace with your parents because they are just trying to follow what the Lord has called them to do. Let's show these kids and students some love one more time. <laughs> Parents, I want to give you a little illustration. Go ahead and have a seat, kids, students. I want to give you an illustration from the game of golf. I'm terrible at golf. I'm serious. Like, I shoot over 100 every time I play. That's very bad if you don't know the game of golf. And every time I go golfing, I know as soon as I step up to that tee box, I know what's going to happen. I'm just going to shank that shot like so bad. I'm going to have to go to the out of bounds or go to the rough and try to find the ball that I just continuously fail at hitting correctly. So what do I do when that happens? I go and I finally find my ball and I line the shot up and I take a swing. And what's going to happen? It's probably going to go the other way and I'm going to have to go the other way. And slowly but surely, I'm making my way through these 18 holes. And every once in a while, even a terrible golfer like me, every once in a while, I line up the shot and I take a swing and it actually goes straight. And I'm thinking, my gosh, I got one in me. And it may take hours, but eventually I get to the 18th hole. And it may have looked so ugly, but slowly but surely, I found my ball, I lined the shot up, and I took a swing. Find the ball, line your shot up, take the swing. I want to challenge you as parents to do the same thing. Because if you're like me, you feel like every single day you step into this parenting game, you shank every shot you take. You feel like you fail. You go to bed sometimes in tears thinking, I'm not any good at this. I can promise you I'm so in the middle of it, I can't even tell you. And every time you feel like I'm a failure, but every once in a while, by God's grace, you get one good moment, one good day, one good conversation, but the other times feel like a failure. Would you take my advice from golfing? In those moments, find the ball, find your child's heart, find that conversation, line up the shot, line up what you know to be your, your responsibility before God, trust him and, and take the shot. It may go totally wrong. God, I trust you. I'm going to find the ball. I'm going to line up the shot and I'm going to take it. I'm going to find the ball. I'm going to line it up. I'm going to take the shot. And one day, by God's grace, you're going to get to your children being 18, 19, 20 years old. And you're going to be able to say, God, I did what I could. By your grace, I stumbled forward, and I believe he will honor your feeble attempts to trust him 
and lean in to what it is he's called you to do. I also want to say to parents, I talked to a man after the last service. Some of you parents, your, your kids have left the house. And you're hearing this message and you're thinking, if I would have heard this 20 years ago. Listen, God's grace is sufficient for you. If your kids are still alive, you can call them today. You can go to their house. How powerful would it be for a dad or a mom who blew it in the parenting game to go now to their kids, no matter how old they are, and to say, listen, I want you to know I love Jesus, whether they know that or not. And I just want to say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I missed it. And until the day I die, I'm going to do all I can to now try by God's grace to show you that there is nobody like our God. And we're supposed to love him with everything we are. Don't let the enemy discourage you, parents. If you're an empty nester thinking, I missed it, God could still use you in your lives of your kids no matter how old they are. With a little bit of humility and a whole lot of grace, God could use you in your life of your kids even to this day. For everybody else in the room, you may be here thinking, man, I don't know why I came to family worship weekend. I don't have kids. Or I'm single and I wish I had kids. Or we, we are not able to have children. This is a really painful message for me to hear. I want you to hear we all have a responsibility for the next generation. Maybe for you, empty nesters. You're thinking, I don't know why I came this weekend. I, I want you to know you came this weekend because guys like me need your help. <laughs> There's so many empty nesters at Hope Church that can help my wife and I and couples just like us not make some of the same mistakes that you made. You've learned from those mistakes. Hear us. We need you as younger parents. I don't know what that looks like. If you are interested in helping young, younger parents, go to guest services after the service and, 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 and let, let them know that you'd love to help. And we try to figure something out. Get us all together so we can start talking about what it looks like to, to trust the Lord in parenting. Maybe you're here and you're single or you can't have kids and you're getting a little frustrated at this message. In the meantime, while you wait for God to do what he's going to do, what if you just started investing in some of these next-gen environments that we have? What if you said to Miss Carissa, I'd love to, I'd love to teach three-year-olds Bible stories once a month. Can I do that? Yeah, you can do that no matter what age or stage. You can hold babies and pray for them while we're in our service over here. You can do that. You can go to, to Mel or Kevin, and you can say, I want to provide the finances to send somebody to Hope Students Camp. You can do that and invest in the next generation or lead a fourth grade small group. What is all that? That's you caring about and investing in the next generation, no matter where God has you in life now. All of us have a role to play in raising up the next generation. Parents, you're the primary discipler of your kids. Kids and students, you have a church that loves you and champions you and can't wait to see what God does through you. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the next generation. Thank you for what we read in your word, that there is nobody like you. There is nobody like you, Lord, and we are to love you with everything we are. God, thank you that we come under this place, into this place, worshiping the name that's above every name, Jesus. By your blood, we are saved. By your power, are we even here today, lifting up your name, pray no matter what age the kids and students and adults are in the room, that we would all see that there is nobody like you. As we worship now, as we pray, as we come to this altar, as our pastors are available, Holy Spirit, do what you want. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's worship together.